morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.888 on the internet, wherever you are. You are listening to The Breakfast Show and you're joined by myself, Lawson, and my amazing, awesome, wonderful, Do you know, if people beautiful, ever meet me incredible in real life, they're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> Monica. <laughs> you just hype me up way too much. Of terrible. course, I have to hype you up. <laughs> They're going to make me be like, mm, you're not that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Monica, how are you? Uh, do you know what? Yesterday you were giving me a stick about um, my little uh, fancy peanut butter that I bought at the Vivid Festival. Uh-huh. And you were like, I hope it tastes disgusting. I bet it'll be the worst one you've ever had. And ha-ha, it's not. It's delicious. It's amazing. It's not the best. It's not It's not taking the place of my favorite, but it's mm-hmm. definitely like a solid silver. It's a, it's a second place peanut okay. butter. Okay, yeah. that's Good. And only, I also invented a new peanut butter yesterday. I didn't like well, roast or wait, grind any nuts. Me? What I did was I got some of the dark roast smooth peanut butter, mm-hmm. and then I added some more butter, margarine, and mm-hmm. then some icing sugar, and then some cinnamon, and then I whipped it like I beaded it with a beater, and that was just amazing. And I can't believe I left it at home again. And then you put it on bread <laughs> on on uh, fruit toast, yeah, on raisin mm. toast, yeah. Oh, that sounds and I, good. And I actually have some um some raisin bagels. Uh, well, coming up in today's show, we're going to be doing a Bible study, having an interview, many different things. But also, we're going to be looking at the UN's suggestions to schools in the UK. As we've been talking about schools in Australia, the problem of Christian schools is actually widespread. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we are going to have our first quiz today. Yes, and we've got five quizzes this morning. You can get one of the answers right to get into the uh, draw at the end of the day, at the end of the show, uh, to win the prize. The prize is Daniel Practical Living in a Judgment Hour, commentary on the book of Daniel by Norman McNulty. This is the first quiz question. What are the type names of the birds Noah sent out of the ark to check if the water had dried up? Mm. So what are the what are the uh, what are the birds that Noah sent from the ark to check about the check about the water? If you know the answer to this, of course you can give us a call or a text at zero four nine one zero six four six six nine with that answer, and you will go into we do a draw at the end of every day, and the more answers you have in, the more chances that you have to win the prize. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And again, what were the birds that Noah sent out from the ark to check on the water level? If you know the answer to that one, you'll go into the draw to win Daniel Practical Living in the Judgment Hour by Norman McNulty, which is a huge blessing, an amazing commentary on the book of Daniel and how apocalyptic prophecy applies to our lives today. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. All right. Monica, oh, what's so, happening in the world of positive I'm so nervous right now news? because Why? I have this story and I've been sitting on, sitting on it for a little while because it's just so complicated to explain. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's all put our thinking caps on and uh, try and uh, try and wrap our noggins around this good news story. This is actually incredible. So a mum became pregnant mm-hmm. while already pregnant, huh? conceiving twins 28 days apart in age. Um... 
is... <laughs> yeah, it's just so complicated. Is that... I'm going to try and explain it to you, right? Mm-hmm. So she's an extra extra fertile mother. She was overjoyed when she discovered she was pregnant again while already pregnant. Um, her name is Sophie Small. She conceived Holly and Darcy one month apart due to an incredibly rare phenomenon known as superfetation, where a new pregnancy occurs after the first one. So Sophie and her husband, Jonathan... They already have a six-year-old named Oscar, and they were trying for another baby. And uh, although the 30-year-old had an inkling she was pregnant, the couple decided to keep trying just in case. So she's a swimming instructor in the UK, mm-hmm. and uh, she she took a pregnancy test, discovered it was positive, um, but then ended up getting extreme morning sickness that mm-hmm. landed her in hospital seven times. Um, and a seven-week scan showed that she was pregnant with twins. Uh, so the two babies were different sizes and the doctors were absolutely stumped as to why until they realized she'd actually ovulated twice. Whoa. And the couple only discovered that the babies weren't conceived at the same time until after the birth uh, when Darcy was born weighing 1.8 kilos and her sister was born two minutes later weighing 2.7 kilos. Um so almost like an extra kilo. Mm. Uh, she says, I was carrying two babies who were growing at different stages, but we didn't know that, she explains. She's from Her- Herefordshire, Herefordshire in England. Mm. <clears throat> I couldn't work out why I was so sick. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had a scan at seven weeks, and they said that they couldn't. They could tell something wasn't right. They couldn't work out why one twin was so much bigger than the other. They had their own sacs and placentas, so they could feed when they wanted to. Uh, when they were born, there was a thirty-five percent growth difference between the two, which is massive. And that's when the staff realised they'd been conceived four weeks apart. So, <laughs> Darcy was a thirty-two-week baby, and Holly was a thirty-six-week baby. Um, and she said, oh, I can't be right. I've never heard of that. I don't know how it even happened. Um, so mm. she says that all the kind of twins, they couldn't be more different. So Holly is a girly girl and, uh, and Darcy is a bit of a tomboy and mm. Holly still weighs, uh, quite a bit more than Darcy. I'm just going to translate, uh, pounds into, into, I think, I think we know pounds for babies, right? I know, no, I know, it's been I know my pounds, like I was, what, she, she weighs 2.7 kilos more than, uh, her sister even now. Wow. Um, See, the mum, her mum says she likes to confuse strangers in the street who stop to ask how many minutes are between the girls um, because most people don't believe that they're twins, right? Mm. And uh, and she likes to respond with this sentence, which really just mind boggles me. She says, Darcy is two minutes older and four weeks younger while Holly was born two minutes after but is four weeks older. That is so insane. <laughs> That's a mind bender. I, I am like my my brain is hurting. Yes, from that. I, I don't know what is going on. Uh, Sophie says I don't even look like sisters, so you wouldn't even know. Holly has blonde hair, big blue eyes, and wants to be a princess or a jockey. Darcy's hair is a mousy brown hair. She's a tomboy, and she wants to be a train driver. Um, so they're. they're <laughs> <laughs> They are now healthy toddlers and doctors have kept an eye on them and they're starting uh, uh, pre-primary kindy soon. They're very confident. Um, She said it was difficult (laughs) to raise them, but they're absolutely thriving now. I've got a little picture here of them. So cute. Look at this. Check out these little bubs. Yeah, I can actually tell. I think the one on the right must be the, the, the younger one. So essentially, you've got one baby that was born when it was supposed to be born mm-hmm. and the other baby is basically a month premature, technically speaking, because she was conceived a month after and, but they were born, 
you know, at the, in the same session, same birthing session. So that's why one of them's a bit smaller than the other. I mean, other than the fact that she's a, m- a month younger in mm. my conception. So yeah, and, um, what an incredible story. I have actually read about this happening in a book one time, in a work of fiction. Actually, I didn't end up reading the whole book. I just read the opening chapter and that was the premise it was these two brothers that were, Letty was pregnant with twins, but they were conceived at separate times. And I thought that was such a far stretch of a story. I was mm. like, no, nah, this is too silly. Turns out it can happen in real life. That is wild. So, yeah, amazing, amazing things that the human body can go through. Um, and praise the Lord for that. And one last little piece of good news story. Uh, so a rare all-white panda has been spotted in China, the only one of its kind. Um, and this is after, oh, how... How many years this hasn't been seen? Mm. So it's an albino giant panda was spotted at a nature reserve in Sichuan, China. And um, based on the footage of the animal, its uh, its gait and stature are that of a healthy young adult and researchers expect it to continue thriving in the wild. Uh, Apparently the last time it was seen when it was um, just a a little cub, but now it's uh, about five or six years old. It's still in good health. And uh, its fur has turned the color of light honey. Kind of, they said reminiscent mm. of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so it's, it's Winnie <laughs> the Pooh running around in the Chinese forests. <laughs> that is so ironic because yeah. do, do you know some of the conversations around Winnie the Pooh that's happening in China? No. Do you know Winnie the Pooh is banned in China? What? Why? You, know, you didn't know this? Man, I think that's why you're bringing this story up. So Winnie the Pooh is banned in China. From watching, from talking about, and the reason is because there was a meme from, like, about three years ago where people were comparing the president of China, President Xi, to Winnie the Pooh because he kind of looks like him. <laughs> Does he? And as a result, they banned Winnie the Pooh. That's just so petty. And now there's a real Winnie the Pooh in the <laughs> Chinese forests. They'll never escape. I just think it's so funny that, like, they're... <laughs> They're trying to, like, stamp it out, but really they couldn't have highlighted it more. Like, <laughs> there's only one thing you could do to try and get people to talk about it more is to just try to eliminate it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're really just just absolutely making that into a spotlight. Um, but scientists are a little bit scared for this Winnie the Pooh. Uh, there's fears that it might be treated as an outcast by the famously choosy members of the panda species. Mm. Uh, so they have... Um, the famous wildlife con- uh, conservation in the Wulong Nature National Reserve. It's, you've probably seen videos of pandas being adorable on the internet, and if you have, it's from this place, the Wulong um, National Nature Reserve. Mm. Uh, and they've studied and they've seen that the interaction between other sort of black and white, uh, more you know, typical coloured pandas, they are already quite choosy as it is, but they're hoping that they won't ostracise this poor little albino uh, Winnie the Pooh-looking panda bear. So apparently albinism can be found throughout the animal kingdom. It's a very rare occurrence, though. Uh, It comes as a result of a genetic mutation that prevents an animal from producing melanin. And uh, apart from being more sensitive to light, uh, it does not affect the reproductive or physiological functions. Mm. Um, So they're really happy. They say the picture clearly shows unique morphological characteristics of the panda. The hair is white, the claws are white, the eyes are red, passing through the lush nature, uh, deciduous broadleaf forest. And uh, there's a little picture of him. Isn't he actually kind of cute? Doesn't that look like Winnie the Pooh actually came to life? Yeah, absolutely. That's like a like oh, look at that DJ shell. It's a little, little Winnie the Pooh rolling around the forest in China. Mm. Oh man, I just want to go give him a cuddle and some honey. Um, I'm sure. Do you reckon pandas like honey, or is it just the bamboo they're into? 
They must love honey, I swear. Mm. Okay, do we have time? Oh, no, 24 seconds. I was going to tell about a story about a really cool elephant. Like, there's an elephant that got fitted with a prosthetic limb. Oh. A prosthetic foot. How cute. Oh, so yeah. now it's, you know, still getting around. Yeah, it lost mode. its foot thanks to poachers, of course. Oh, and, uh, and But they've actually managed to digital print a prosthetic limb for this lovely elephant uh, over in uh, an Asian elephant in um, Cambodia. And it's just enormous. I've got a picture of the caretaker holding up the limb and it's almost bigger than him. But they've strapped it to the elephant. His name's Chuk. And, uh, and, uh, and he's getting around. He, um, he's still growing, so it needs to be replaced often. But thankfully, they have this uh, technology of the digital printing. And uh, he's happy as ever with his prosthetic limb. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we are going to have our next clue for the quiz, or the, the quiz, basically. Our second quiz this morning. How did Jezebel die? Oh. Bit of a morbid story. <laughs> Absolutely. Always a juicy read, this one. <laughs> How did Jezebel die? 0491 Give us a call or a text and get your answer in. You can win the prize for the end of the show's draw for Daniel Practical Living in the Judgment Hour. Yeah, again, that number 0491 We've got a bunch of people getting correct answers. So get on the train. How did Jezebel die? 0491 Nine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we were really blessed and privileged yesterday to be able to talk to Vanessa Chang from My Christian Schools, which is essentially a platform that has been set up so that Australians can testify as to the blessing and the benefit of Christian schools so that we can essentially save Christian schools and the right for Christian schools to be able to hire according to their faith, so hire Christian teachers to be able to provide a Christian ethos or a Christian environment, which, you know, I can testify was a massive blessing to me. We had plenty of people writing in yesterday um, voicing their support for this, and we were very heavily promoting that you head to mychristianschool.au so you can get your testimonies in of how Christian schools have been a blessing to you or your kids, or maybe you're a teacher. We had some shout-outs for schools coming through as well. So 0491 if you want to shout-out a Christian school that you've been blessed by. But this is not just a problem here in Australia in regard to the rights of Christian schools, but rather one that is worldwide. So the UN have, or the United Nations, have set up a committee uh, that is called the Rights of Children, so the Committee of the Rights of Children, so it's called the CRC, the UNCRC, and it has urged schools to end religious selections for admissions in a bid to create a fair and inclusive educational system. Now, when I initially read this, and we were talking about this yesterday, how for myself as a secular kid going along to a Christian school, I was immensely blessed by the Christian environment that was there. And when I initially read this headline, I'm like, so stopping Christian schools from not selecting secular kids. I was like, well, is that is that really a, a problem? As students or as teachers? As students, right? Oh, okay, right, right. I was like, is that really a problem? I, I started to question it at first, and I'm like, that seems fair enough. Why, why would you be defending against that? Uh, but at the same time, it's like it is taking away rights for schools, you could say. But it's like, oh, is that a right that's that's needed to have had? But then I, I was just thinking about this initially. But then I looked at some of the other recommendations that the CRC was making that they also called. So along with, you know, the stopping of Christian schools having the right to select which kids 
come to their school, so ripe for having um, their religion as a criteria for admission, which every school has criterias for admission, particularly private schools. I, you know, Again, I mentioned my sister's school yesterday. They're an incredibly selective school, even though they're Christian, because they have a really, really high level of education. Um, and essentially what they're saying is, oh, religion can't be a part of that. But what they're also saying is that they, uh, they're calling for compulsory collective worship to be repealed. So if you're a Christian school, you're not allowed to make kids come to a chapel. Uh, it has to be an optional thing to make kids come to a, a Friday you know, afternoon chapel. And they also, um, they want to scrap the parental right to withdraw children from sexual education. Wow. So what we're actually seeing here, it's not only the removal of the selection, but... Okay, so dealing with the first one here, um, the call to remove compulsory collective worship. How is it a Christian school if there isn't worship? I am lost. And again, basic. I reflect on this from my own experience being a non-Christian, but having that time every Friday morning or afternoon to go along to chapel, I loved it for two reasons. Firstly... We didn't have class, so, so I didn't have to sit in mathematics or whatever it may be. But secondly, I liked the singing, and I remember the principal, he would get up and preach because our principal was also a pastor. He would get up and preach, and I, I remember messages to this day that he preached. I remember specifically this one that he got up, and he talked about how the price of bananas were really high because there had been a cyclone. In, oh, I remember that. And, and he was like, yeah, the price of bananas is so high. And this is when uh, self-checkout first came in to the shops. Yeah. And he's like, so people are going through the shops and they're they're scanning carrots instead Ooh. of oh, uh, they're scanning geez. bananas as carrots you know and and robbing you know coals or whatever and he talked about how but the value of a banana is so much more than a carrot and and nothing can change that and and related it to humanity i don't remember exactly how it went but i remember that message and i was blessed by it mm-hmm. i remember feeling valuable and it's like hey no the value of you is so much higher than anything else you know the value that God puts on you. I remember being so blessed by that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, yes, this is necessary. And it's within the rights of the school to run a religious service because they're a religious school. Yet again, this UN committee is saying, no, we need to scrap it. Then, okay, the second thing that they're calling to scrap is the right for parents to to, uh, consent to whether their children receive sexual, sexual education from the school. Now, we've talked about this Monica, and I talked about how I was really blessed by the sexual education at my Christian school, mm-hmm. and you talked about how you weren't blessed no. by the sexual education at your Christian school. Would you have preferred your parents to have the right to be able to... This is the thing. I think the sex education that you and I received is very different from the sex education that they're trying to push these days. Exactly. I think it's less yeah. about like STDs, pregnancy, that kind of stuff, the reproductive system. I think it's more about mm. let's all be gay. Yes. Yeah. And so. see, this is this is the big move. So imagine imagine a situation in which okay, so here in Australia, where we're having the the uh, the rights of Christian schools to be able to hire along with you know, uh, along with their faith. So mm-hmm. if they hire according to their faith, that's a problem here in Australia. Now you combine that with the scrapping of, 
you know, being able to admit a child to, you know, going to sexual education. So, so there's no consent there or you, you have no ability to remove them. So then you can have a school that's called a Christian school, but staffed by non-Christians teaching sexual education in a non-Christian way, which then we just have to think, okay, well, what does sexual education in a non-Christian way look like in our 2023 world? Yeah. And what does it look like? Well, it's pretty messed up. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely not according to Christian values. And again, it's not then it's like, okay, what's the opposite of secular values um, for sex? Is it, you know, total prudeness and not talking about the topic and misinformation? No, I think that valuable Christian sex education can go a long way. And I know this because I was blessed by it. Like I received it and it's stuff that stuck with me at the time and all the way until today. Obviously, I'm a Christian now, so I'd be more inclined to subscribe to those ideas. But even at the time when I wasn't a Christian, I received that sexual education. I was blessed. But this is this is the thing that's being pushed. And again, this is the UN, and this is particularly a recommendations to schools in England, but the UN being worldwide and far-reaching and having that political sway and influence, it doesn't just stop at England, but I think of, you know, the, the rest of Europe as well. I know that England is not a quote-unquote European country anymore. It's not a part of the European Union. It's still in Europe geographically. But I can see this going quite far and the rights for schools being removed wholesale worldwide. So this is a really, really interesting place. And we'd love to know what you think. 0491-064-669, particularly on the topic of, you know, uh, this, this idea of keeping compulsory worship, making it uh, mandatory or making it optional, and then sexual education as well in schools. If you have some thoughts, again, that number is 0491-064-669. And I'd especially love to hear from the perspective of parents or maybe kids who went to Christian schools and their experience with that. Oh, I had a whole other story prepared. I just do not have the time. I was, I was going to compare this, uh, the city of Chicago with the city of Atlanta and see what's happening in those places in regards to police reform, but I just simply do not have the time for it. So guys, just send in your thoughts. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Are going to have our next quiz. Yes, quiz number three. True or false? Jesus said washing hands is never important. Oh. Mm. Uh, well, for hygiene's sake, I know that's what, that's I, what that's I want the answer to be. Yeah, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. True or false? Jesus said washing hands is never important. <laughs> that is. That is a perplexing question, but I'm sure you guys have lots of answers to it. 0491-064-669. Of course, lots of answers. It's either true or false. So, so get in. Get <laughs> yeah, in with what you it's think. It's an easy one. Oh, yeah. This is a, a story in the Bible, which I can't give away any clues to because we've already given you a clue. So 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show, and we have for our interview today none other than the wonderful Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, are you there with us? I am here. Amazing. <laughs> How are you going today, Jennifer? I'm going very, very well. That's it's actually amazing. a beautiful day. It is. I think every day is amazing if you feel well. Amen. Mm. Amen to that. You know, we're always asking here on Faith FM, you know, what is the heart-brain connection? But we're never asking how is your heart-brain connection. So we just want to know how you're doing, Jennifer. <laughs> yes. And to hear that you're doing well, man, praise God. Praise God we can have you on the show. 
my heart and brain are doing well together for a change. Not always. (laughs) Praise God. All right. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, I have a question. What do you know about the nervous system? Uh, I know that, well, it's called the nervous system, not because it literally makes you nervous, uh, but it's the way that you feel things and control things in your your body. Yes, okay. All right. That's a a reasonable answer. Mm -hmm. Your nervous system is like a telegraph wires throughout the body that Mm. regulates the brain and the body that connects it. Mm. So your brain um, has bundles and bundles of nerves that come down the brain stem and along the sides of the uh, spine. And Mm. so you might have heard of the central nervous system. Yes. Okay. Now, if if your spine gets damaged and it severs the nerves, that's when, and severs the um, spine, we know that's when people can end up with paralysis. Mm. Okay. But the aim is is to protect the spine and to have a healthy central nervous system mm. because your central nervous system has branches called the parasympathetic that runs its rings around the body where the um, actual uh, rib cage is. So mm. you get rings from the top of the spine down round through to the heart, the, the brain, you know, the brain connects it and through to the stomach and all that area. So when you crack a rib, What's giving the pain? Because it's very painful. I know I did that a while back. So what's causing the pain? It's the nerves attached (laughs) to that bone. Yeah, absolutely. It's that uh, peripheral nerve ring. And then you can get, because with that, what happens if there's a problem with the spine? You can get lots of problems with the heart, with the stomach, with all those areas because of those nerves. Mm. So when people say, oh, I've got a cracked rib, my rib's painful, it's not, it's your actual nerves that are painful. Mm. So this is showing you that the brain and the nervous system connect. Mm. The brain register, it's got pain receptors, so it will register pain. Mm. Um, And this, of course, I have a lot of clients who have pain problems, and often it's because they have done damage to the spine. So Mm. for those who don't and those who do, there are things you can do to help heal, but you're healing the nervous system. Um, Mm. But this is where pain equals stress. Have you had physical pain problems? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I've had physical pain problems. (laughs) I um, yeah, yeah. In my time, I've broken lots of bones. Just recently, I've been getting back into running because I'm planning to do the city to surf. And uh, I did four runs last week. And after my fourth, my foot was just absolutely killing. My left foot on like the ridge there on the outside was just in pain for like four days or something. It's now finally I've been able to kind of walk it out and it feels all right. Okay. Well, that's... uh... Yeah, so this is where you must have strained or done some sort of damage. Yeah, absolutely. And that can be the way that you're walking because how we place our feet can stress the nervous system and that's when the brain will register pain. Mm. So there's in any of the body parts, because I did uh, training in nutritional medicine for mental health, and I look at what can you do to help the nervous system. And a couple of things that are very, very good, uh, and this is what I did when I cracked a rib. I used um, a magnesium, um, liquid magnesium. It's got turmeric and other things that are anti-inflammatory, as well as arnica. Mm. So those two, magnesium and arnica, are brilliant for helping the nervous system. 
And I find my clients who have particularly back pain or body pain find the magnesium particularly, and it's um, a particular mix of magnesium, but any magnesium will help. But liquid goes straight into every cell of the body. Wow. So uh, if you take it in a capsule, it's not bad. If you take it in a tablet, you don't absorb a great deal of it. So mm. um, it's hard for the body to send it. So if anyone's listening and they've got a pain problem, go and get some liquid magnesium. It's called magnesium chloride oil mm. and use it because it's it's stressful to have body pain. Yeah, absolutely. And that sounds like a fantastic solution to go down the natural road rather than <laughs> uh, personally, I... Uh, I, I've never been prescribed long-term painkillers because I've never had to go through surgery. I've broken lots of bones, but okay. just just mm-hmm. like, you know, sling them up or cast them up and, you know, they get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know friends and, like, I, I know mm-hmm. people in my life who, you know, had surgery or something like this or had some problems and were prescribed some type of painkiller that is then become very addictive and has mm-hmm. led them to... Yeah, substance abuse because of the way that yeah. it you know affects the brain and uh, I have one uh, person that I know in particular who went down the addiction road to the point where and then he couldn't get a prescription and and then so he started abusing penal instead and he had kidney failure as a result of yeah. that and 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 so it's you're creating problems rather than solving them yes. so it's fantastic that we can deal with yeah. pain which again in turn deals with spe- uh, stress and our mental health struggles in a natural way well it is it's very important and there are things that we can do and this is where sourcing the natural approach it's not going to take all the pain away if the body's damaged but it certainly mm. can a great edge off that pain so it makes it more manageable and you mm. can you can manage it and live with it so things like that are very important for the psychology of of our of us because if we're in pain it affects the way we think the way we react it's just uh you know you can see why people take pain meds mm. and unfortunately with pain meds after a while the system gets used to it and they don't have the effect that they used to. Therefore, you've got to try something stronger, increase it, um, and this is where you get into this trap of addiction. We've just just had a question come through from Fran. She says, would liquid magnesium help for menstrual cramps as well? Sorry, help mental? Menstrual. Oh, absolutely, because Mm. it... When you put it on an area where there's pain, it absorbs straight into the cells. And because it's anti-inflammatory, because your nervous system in any sort of pain is actually inflamed. Yeah. It's like the nerves and individual nerves can get so inflamed it wears the, the, what we call the nerve shield that protects it. Mm. And therefore, you have constant pain. So, yes, with menstrual pain, you can do that um, and use it on an area and it will help take the edge off of it. Sometimes it can alleviate it to the point where it's just not a problem. But I would I would try that. It's not something um, I've thought about, but definitely it would make a difference. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. I, I think that would mm. help a lot of people. Mm. Okay. And, so, sorry, continue. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, all right, we've got this liquid magnesium. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, from what I'm hearing, it is a wonderful thing. That is a huge yeah. blessing um, in terms of relieving that stress that is caused from being injured or, or having a, you know, chronic injury, a constant ongoing injury. What else can we do in that space? Um, well, I recommend like with the magnesium that you actually apply it daily. 
and you have a look. Uh, men need about 400 milligrams a day minimum if you're, you're functioning well. Wow. If you, women need about 300 because we don't make magnesium. And when you get stressed and pain equals stress, uh, mental pain equals, you know, stress where we lose what I call buckets of magnesium. Mm. And research shows about 80% of the population are magnesium deficient. It's like a magnesium drought. Mm. So even now doctors are recommending magnesium a lot more as well, which is a good thing. So I encourage your listeners to maybe do a bit of research uh, online or you can speak to someone who works with natural therapies and actually access it. The best way is the liquid, um, but certainly take it as a powder in a drink or you can get veggie caps with it in. Um, but you don't, tablets don't do the job as well. So, But anyway, it's something um, we all need, every one of us. It's not just a small thing. So the other thing that is helpful is heat packs or cold packs. And, uh, again, you can get uh, professional advice on this, but um, if there is swelling, they recommend you use a cold pack, and you've probably been recommended that. And if you don't have a cold pack, just a, um, people sometimes use a uh, frozen peas because oh, they yeah. they can hold around the leg and you can get a cheap bag of those and put them in the fridge or you can buy a cold pack. Um, if there's aching and that dull ache or that pain ache, then you use a hot pack. Mm. Um, and, again, you can get wheat packs. You can get silicon packs. You can buy gel packs. You, you know, even just a hot water bottle mm. is mm. enough. Um, and it will ease the pain because when it comes to the mental side of things, when we're in pain, the mind cannot function well. Yeah, so absolutely. This is looking at pain relief, even – and heat is a comforter. Mm. I find if you're a bit stressed or down or your just body's not quite right, doing that, um, having a hot pack and just sitting with it and putting it on an area of the body is really helpful. So – Mm. Oh, absolutely. I find when I'm injured, it's more difficult for me to just be able to focus on things, even when it has nothing to do with my injury. Like I, I'll be, I'll, my foot again, I, I pulled this thing in my foot and I was kind of hobbling around a little bit and then sitting at my desk trying to study. I'm like, man, I am really struggling like because of just the mental energy it's taking up. I know that you see this more poignantly in, in things like sport, for example, you know, when people have a, a small injury that they're trying to play through in a particular sport they'll you know just be far worse not because they're you know it won't be an injury that necessarily is affecting their athleticism and their ability to do the sport but that mm -hmm. mental energy that's taken off from the pain that's taken from from the pain yes. it, it just causes mistakes and just less focus and so absolutely. yeah absolutely dealing with pain in the body yeah. is paramount i think to being able yeah. to just be able to function well. <laughs> and your functionality. Uh, and this is where it can cause irritability. We can overreact to things. Oh, it just really yeah. upsets the whole system. So treating pain is essential. So part of what I do is help people with pain. And just the suggestions that I'm talking about this morning are the things that I uh, get uh, people doing. And it does the simple things make a big difference. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things. Uh, doing things like particularly in summer going and uh, sitting in uh, the sea, salt water has a lot of magnesium. Mm. So even walking in it or standing in it, so swimming, it really does have uh, major benefits to the mind and the body. So there's lots of things in nature we can do. 
Um, one of the things when you're in pain um, is that we tend to hold our breath. We're not breathing properly, mm. and you mightn't be aware of it. So, um, and this is where today I was going to talk wow. a bit more about the heart focus breathing to calm the heart, to get the brain back online. But if you take a few deeper breaths, just slowly into about the count of five through the nose and slowly out through the mouth, it will help to ease the pain as well because it relaxes the body mm. and it comes with the heart. When you're in pain, your heart rate's skipping beats, it's spiking, it's uneven. And if you can even the heart rate out while you're in pain, it will ease the pain. It will help to relax the body. Mm. So, so that's another thing you can do to help. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> And then you can get out of pain and you can be pain free and just be living your best life. I think when it comes to pain, we often just live with it. And then it, we're always functioning. It feels like, oh, I'm at 80%. I'm at 85% or maybe even as low as 60% rather than being at that 100% because we're just, we're just always struggling with it. But it seems as though, oh, hey, if we take those steps to do something about it, then we can be functioning at that higher level. Absolutely. And also a, a bit of gentle massage. That's why something mm. like Arnica cream and gently rub it into the area. Um, you know, I recommend getting massages, a uh, therapeutic massage if mm. you can afford to do that. Um, because it's a, it helps the whole, the nervous system, it helps the muscle system and anything you help the body with helps the brain. Mm. It helps to relax the brain and it helps to connect the brain to the body. Um, you know, how often you go, oh, I don't know how I'm feeling or I, you know, I'm not aware of what my body's doing, but they're having problems. So it's connecting that heart and that brain and the body um, and being aware, having that self-awareness of what the body's doing, I think is very important. And that's where the nervous system comes into it. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Jennifer. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.